Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 110. Psalm 110. As I wrote you yesterday and in the preparatory email for today's assemblies, I called this a regal psalm. Now, there are messianic psalms, and a messianic psalm means that it's a psalm about the Messiah. It's a psalm prophesying or speaking about the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, our Savior. A regal psalm is one that presents the Messiah as king, and there's several of them in the psalms. I hope you know the psalms a little bit so that you can understand what I just said, and I hope you have a favorite psalm or favorite psalms that pertain to different subjects. This is one presenting Jesus Christ as king. This passage of scripture before your eyes that we're about to read is the most quoted in the New Testament by far of any passage of scripture. Just the first verse is quoted six times in the New Testament, let alone a few verses later that speaks of Jesus being a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek that's quoted a few times itself. So let's keep that in mind of how important a role this psalm played in the New Testament church. Let's all rise together and read Psalm 110 in unison. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning... Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord said unto my Lord, God the Father spoke to the Lord Jesus Christ, who was David's Lord. We have explanations of this psalm in the Gospels. God the Father spoke unto Jesus Christ, David's Lord, and said to him, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now that may not be politically correct language for the Jesus that most people want to follow and serve. The picture they have on their walls is usually a picture of a long-haired, effeminate hermaphrodite in a position of weakness begging for people to cooperate with him. We don't worship that Jesus. That's another Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is different in every respect in his appearance to that one. And the Jesus of the Bible was told by God at his resurrection and ascension into heaven, Sit thou at my right hand. Those words took place when Jesus rose 
up into the clouds, out of the sight of the disciples, ascended through the interstellar spaces of our universe, and came into heaven, took the book of the everlasting covenant out of the hands of him that sat on the throne, and God said to him, Sit thou at my right hand. That is when Jesus sat down. Our Lord Jesus Christ humbled Himself for 33 and a half years in this world for your sins and for mine. But as soon as He had paid the price for our sins and was raised from the dead, He went into heaven and sat down as the ruler of the universe because God had highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name because of what He did for us on the cross. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ of the Bible. He is not yet on a crucifix. He is not yet in a manger. And while we will recognize the historical event of him being in a manger, and we will remember his death until he comes by the Lord's Supper, we know where he sits right now. He sits at the right hand of God. I love the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love his ascension and I love his coronation. That's what it's called in Hebrews chapter 2. God hath crowned him with glory and honor and said, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now his first enemies that he made his footstool was the Jewish nation, which God destroyed in his wrath shortly after Jesus sat down, just about 40 years. Because those were the enemies that defied him and put him to death and made up a false trial against him while he was on earth. That's the first enemy. What's the last enemy? Death. First Corinthians 15, when he's going to put death away altogether and resurrect us and give us glorified spiritual bodies. He is a king of nations. He is a king of death and hell. And he's got the keys to both. And he's our savior. I want you to love the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that this first verse is quoted six times in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Acts, 1 Corinthians, and twice in Hebrews. It's a glorious verse. And it's how we want to see the Lord Jesus Christ. But do you know what? There are no pictures of Jesus Christ sitting on a throne with a crown on His head with His feet propped up on His enemies. I wonder why there are no pictures like that in anyone's home. Because neither the devil nor wicked men love that picture. We do. We love the picture of Jesus Christ as a victorious prince reigning over his enemies because he's our Savior and he can defend and protect us against any enemy. It goes on to describe the Lord sending the rod of his strength out of Zion and telling him to rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. God gave the Lord Jesus Christ all power in heaven and in earth and let him loose to rule over his enemies. And he's been doing that for 2,000 years. He first of all took out the Jewish nation and crucified him. And then he raised his rod of iron and dashed the Roman Empire into pieces And it continues to be shattered to this day. There's been no world empire since the Lord Jesus Christ raised his rod of iron and began dashing the nations in pieces. We live in the, in the years of a fragmentary world. Look at a globe. A political globe. A political globe means each nation has a different color. What does it look like? A mess. 
because it's been dashed in pieces by the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my greatest pleasures of seeing an Olympics is the opening ceremonies, and I, oh, oh, I don't want, they're so pagan, just this moment, when the number of nations is listed that participates, and every year it gets greater. It's now up over 300 nations that come and participate in the Olympics. When the Olympics were first formed, how many came and, and participated? One. What empire was it? Greece. It started the Olympics. And look what the, look what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Now, verse 3, I have explained to you a couple of times before. It's beautiful picture language, and it's one of an, it's an obscure verse. That means it's hard to figure out. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. When was the Lord Jesus Christ given power, but at his resurrection? And the expression there, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, is describing his resurrection under veiled language, because it was the spirit of holiness that raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, and brought him out of the womb of the earth, and he was seen on resurrection morning by his followers. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. Jesus Christ did not see corruption, but was kept and maintained by the power of God in his youth. He sits in heaven in the prime of life, preserved that way by Almighty God. And then it goes on in verses in verse 4 to say that God had also given him the priesthood of Melchizedek. And why is Melchizedek used here as a descriptive of a priesthood? Because it's a priesthood without beginning or end. Because Melchizedek had neither beginning of days nor end of life. And that's the priesthood of Jesus Christ. No matter how much faith a Catholic might ever put in a priest of their local parish. No matter how much confidence a Catholic might put in a particular Pope. Like the one that just died. They all must die. No matter what a priest Israel had that the Jews might have put their confidence in, they all died. But Jesus Christ has a never-ending priesthood because he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek, not the order of Aaron or of the Levitical tribe. There is a, there is a denomination in our country that is 170 years old that claims to have the priesthood of Melchizedek. What is that denomination? Mormons, I love to write them about the high priest. They write and say, we're the only ones left on earth that have a high priest. I write back and say, oh no, you've made a mistake. Because the Apostle Paul wrote in Hebrews chapter 3 that the Lord Jesus Christ is our prophet and our high priest. According to our profession of faith. And don't you forget that about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's king and priest. And he's made us kings and priests. Verse number 5, the Lord at thy right hand. Now notice how it's shifted. No longer is it God with Jesus at his right hand. I mean, Jesus coming to the right hand of God, but it's the Lord at thy right hand. Speaking of the one at God's right hand, shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. Jesus Christ, remember from Psalm 2 last Sunday, kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. The Jews did not kiss the Son. They did not receive Him as the Lord of glory and as the one sent by the Father. His wrath was kindled. As we read in Matthew chapter 22, the king was wroth 
and sent forth his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. The Apostle Paul told us exactly when that wrath came. It was right around the time that he wrote the epistle to the Thessalonians. But we'll get to that. He shall judge among the heathen, and he's judged among us and all Gentiles for the last 2,000 years. He'll fill the places with the dead bodies. Those that reject him, he crushes them. He shall wound the heads over many countries, not just the Jewish nation, but all the Gentile nations as well. He'll drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head, a picture of a conquering prince that is totally victorious. I hope you love the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. We have sung this morning for him to come and be our almighty king. And I hope that we submit in our hearts to him. And I hope as we sing other songs this morning, we'll worship him in the light of Psalm 110. We have a glorious king and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He'll never die. One of the great fears of a monarchy is when you have a great king that rules righteously and wisely, that when he dies, some fool will get the throne, some oppressor will get the throne, and oppress the poor people. The Lord Jesus Christ reigns forever. He is a high priest forever. He knows every infirmity that you've ever experienced because he suffered them himself, yet without sin. He can bear with your infirmities. And he'll always be able to defend you. He'll always protect you because he's king and priest forever. That is Psalm 110. I hope you love it.